Oh, and welcome back to the For Film Play Podcast, everybody. My name is Brian Archita, and I'm here with... Chris Lucky. And today we are going to be talking about Burn After Reading. Yay. For some reason, I almost said Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Oh, we did that. Yeah, we did do that. Really? <laughs> uh, I pressed record, apparently. I didn't even realize that I pressed record, and mm-hmm. I just started talking shit. Oh, yeah, we're here. Anyway, uh, welcome back. Uh, what's, uh, what's up? What's uh, the catch up? We, before we start, we were talking about Dragon Ball. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's been big in my life. I, I'm waiting big. to have like 30 episodes mm-hmm. to watch so yeah. I can just sit and jerk off to them. It's, 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 it's badass. <laughs> it's badass. Like everybody that's been waiting for Gohan for like the past 10 years of your life or whatever, motherfucker back now. Oh, yeah. He's motherfucker back. back now. I saw a clip of him. I saw the clip of him fighting with Goku. Oh, Mystic Gohan against uh, Super, Super Saiyan, Saiyan Blue. Su- yeah, Super Saiyan Blue and Rose. Yeah, he was a. Uh, Super Saiyan Blue K.O. Ken. Oh, a, this one. Yeah, you're I know you're my with shit. It. You're with it. I've <laughs> been a draggable nerd all my goddamn life. <laughs> you're fucking right. <laughs> yeah. I love that shit that fight yeah. was like people can rant on it about the animation mm. or whatever or the fact that none of the characters are nearly as interesting as they were back in dragon so ball z mm. so fucking wide yeah. it's dragon ball and it's fucking fun it really is fuck you i'm <laughs> i'm really enjoying these new dragon ball super episodes like waiting every single saturday and then going on the internet and finding this japanese version that i'll have to read all the subtitles <laughs> and everything but it's it, it's reminded me of like being a teenager yeah. back then because like at the time like I, when dragon ball came on at 5 30 i think it was like after school or something i will go home and sit directly in front of the television and the only time i would get up was for a shit commercial break and i would come right back and be staring right at the television yep. but i had no cell phone no like pagers were out at the time but <laughs> i couldn't have a pager at 13 so it was like there was no distractions there yep. was there was no real distraction so i'm just staring there at it like listening to it in english and watching it but now you know with the subtitles in japanese like it forces you to stay there and pay attention to it yep and it's like i'm loving Loving it so much. I, that's why. That's why I watch the Japanese versions of any anime mm. that I watch because it reminds me of that sitting in front of the telly, yeah, and just sitting there being like, "Yeah, kick some fucking ass, Goku. <laughs> yes. You got this. Do it, motherfucker." Like that feeling never goes away when I'm watching Super. Yeah, and I think that's why I like it. I don't give a shit if Goku's overpowered or an idiot. It's fun. Oh yeah, he's a super idiot. Yeah. <laughs> he definitely is. But he's pure heart. He's, yeah, he's yeah. A, he has a pure heart. Uh, I love that shit. Yeah. I've been. Uh, I but before we get started in anything like. Because I, I think I have two, like, introspective thoughts that I've been having all week. Yeah. And that I want to explore. And do you have anything that's, like, short you want to get out of the way? Mm, no, no. I mean, okay. just whatever. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, the first one's kind of a rant. All right. Because um, it, it, happened, it happened at work. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, last weekend I talked about shooting the short film. We yeah. recorded the day after me and my crew shot the film. Yeah. So all the equipment was on my fucking place. Mm-hmm. And so I had to gather it all up and I had to take it to school yeah. to check it back in, which is what you do. You mm-hmm. return equipment. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I walk over to the, to the place where we return the equipment, the cage. Mm-hmm. And I have two cards worth of stuff. Yeah. And then like an extra, like I have three cards worth of stuff, essentially. Mm-hmm. And just like lights and shit and cables and mm-hmm. fucking microphones. And yes. Like boom poles, all that shit. A lot of stuff. And I walk over and the person who's working is like, Holy shit, Brian, did you check out half the fucking cage? Yeah. And I'm like, you're goddamn right I did. I was shooting a short fucking film. Yeah. And, and so it was like 12.45. I got a class at 1. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of put everything in there because it takes me half an hour to load everything up to the fucking building. Mm-hmm. And I just leave it. And she goes like, are you going to leave? And I was like, yeah, I got class. You can't, I mean, well, you can't do that. Well, I, I helped. Like, 
And it's like, like, like say other way around, like I don't, I don't know this full story, yeah. but just the like other way around, say a random person comes up mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm at work and somebody brings a cart of, with three items on it and then they walk away. I'm going to leave that cart there or wheel it around there. Like I'm I mean, not yeah, responsible yeah, yeah. for that. I get that. Like I got yeah. the process started of checking it in and she saw me and like we had 15 minutes of checking time. But she like, so I put all the cart in the equipment and I'm just like waiting for my turn to check in. I didn't yeah. just leave and leave. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm saying, but you stayed and made sure everything was checked in. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's what happened. Here's yeah. what fucking happened. So I put all the equipment and I'm in the hallway waiting to check in. And then yeah. the person that's working is complaining of how much equipment yeah, I have. A lot of equipment, yeah. And I was like, I mean, yeah, I was shooting my thesis. I'm yeah. going to need a lot of equipment. Yeah. And she was like, well, are you going to help me check it in? No, that's not necessary. And, no. I, and I just went like, I mean, no, I got... You're not working? Right. Are you, are you like, on the clock? No, no that's what I'm fu- saying. No, then fuck off. No. So I'm like, no, I'm, I, I got to go to class. I mean, I'll wait till you start checking it in. Make I mean, sure that everything's fine. Yeah, I mean, like, you're supposed to wait until they finish checking it in. Like, that's the only part that I'm going to fault you on. Because like... And that's fine. And that's yeah. totally fine. I yeah. take my blame for that. All right. Um, but like, I was just like, yeah, no, I got to go to class. I can't help you put all this back in the cage. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> And like, bless her heart, she was like, that's a lot of it. She just kept complaining about the amount of equipment. So what? Do your job. And so like, what I did is she's like, listen, I'll tell you what. I'll fucking go and I'll check everything in because all the asset numbers are on the order. Mm. It's like, I know everything's fine. Check it out your leisure. I'm going to make it easy for you. Mm. I'm back in the fucking system. All you got to do is put it back in the fucking cage. Mm. And so, and and then turns out and she's like, well, it's still a lot of equipment. I was like, well, wait for the next person that's on shift with you. And if it's too much, just ask them to help you. I got to go. I'm in class. Mm. (laughs) So I leave. And for all I know, she's taking care of the equipment. You, you checked all of it back in yourself? Yeah. She well, was complaining. She was well, complaining. No, no, I'm saying that you, you, you went above and beyond at this point. Right, yeah. All right. She was complaining, so I'm like, I'll do it easy. I'll take care of all the system yep. stuff. Then you just put it back in the cage whenever yeah. you're free. Yeah. And, and so I did that, type all the numbers in, and then left yep. for class because I was 10 minutes late already mm-hmm. by this point. And so <laughs> later on in the day, I'm in my class. And I got a text from my boss, mm. and she was like, "Hey, we need to have, we need to talk." Mm. And I go like, "All right." Text from the boss saying we need to talk. That's the, a problem. The, the boss that listens to the show? Uh, Malcolm, yeah. All right, just make sure. <laughs> all right. I got a text from him, and he's like, "All right, well, we got to talk." And mm. I was like, "All right, fuck." I guess I'm leaving class for like ten seconds. Yeah. So you go talk to this fucking guy, and I, is there a doorbell ringing? Is that a goddamn doorbell ringing? I mean, it's not great for the story. Yeah. So. Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, like, Malcolm calls me up. I go to the office. Turns out there was a mistake with my payroll. Mm. So I had a piece of equipment, a fig rig that someone wanted that I reserved first. But mm. the fact that the other person reserved it late at night and for some reason disappeared of the tally sheet. So we had a whole fucking beef about that, mm. trying to figure that shit out. Yeah. And then at the end, he says to me, oh, and by the way, uh, when you bring in equipment, man, you check out a lot of equipment and just mm. help them put it back. Mm. And then, like, my boss is telling me, like, help the other person do the job that they're meant to do. If I wasn't a student worker, they'd have to do that regardless of who did, the did fuck. You, did you explain that to him in, in his face? Uh, no, I just kind of left it. I have I, to not talk, have the conversation then because no. it's like gossip at that point. Because I know that you listen to the show. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He's yeah. like, I can't. Um, he's, he's fine. I, I just went like, I, I told him, listen, it's her job. Like, I had to leave for class. Yeah. She's okay. She could have handled it. And then I left. That's what I said. I didn't right. say in exactly these words. But I just, and then he started talking to me about that. And, and, and I don't fault him for anything. I'm not mad at him. Mm. Like, the, the employee complained and he was just doing his job as a boss. Mm. That's fine. What I'm fucking pissed about is that someone complained about doing the one fucking job that they had to do. Yeah. You know, that, that's, what, that's what upset me. And so, but I let it, I let it slide because mm. it was like, whatever, this is not a big fucking deal. But then the next day, which is Tuesday, mm. uh, like someone tried to like, 
be petty about it because mm. I asked them to help the other person mm. and they try to be petty about it. And I had this like really like legitimate moment of like, I felt the spark of rage just like fucking light up inside me. Mm. And I was just like, I swear to God, like I was, I was so close to getting on the boat. Yeah. <laughs> just fucking through the rivers of rage. And then I had to dial it down and I just I'm like, nope, I'm not going to do it. Mm. Just, just be, just be cool. Yeah. Be cool. You can, you can handle it some other time later. And then, <laughs> And then he left, but then he came back. And every time I, I, I like I saw it, I would just get angrier and angrier in yeah. my head. And so like I, I had to like learn how to like meditate at the moment so that I should not get angry yeah. at the moment. And then I got a text <laughs> in the group chat about it too. So I had like three really separate incidents of me that I was about to get very, very fucking furious yeah. at like two particular people. And I didn't, and and I'm proud of myself that I didn't, because like I like maybe like seven months ago I would have gotten absolutely fucking furious, mm. and I didn't, and I think and and what that led the point of the story is that I was so angry for such a short amount of time, and I'm still sort of bitter about it, but I think I got to learn how to meditate. I think like the the idea of just letting anger just fly by you, yeah, oh, made yeah. me feel really good when I managed to do it. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. But. <laughs> And this is the weird part. Of the, I don't know what it says about me. Mm. I still wanted to be really angry. Like, I, still, I fucking wanted it so badly. Mm-hmm. I wanted to cause a scene, like, when it happened. Yeah. And, and, I, and I chose not to. And now I'm wondering if I have, like, if I have some, if some part of me, mm. like, legitimately likes the idea of conflict, despite how much I avoid it. I, th- I think a lot of people do. Mm. But it, it, I think majority of people want conflict, but they don't have it in them to actually do that. You right. Know? And... I don't know. I, I gave you kudos for you know just maintaining your your integrity and, and your your character and just staying within yourself instead of blowing up. Because that's the thing about energy. Like energy can't die. When there's a when there's a angry energy that's there, mm-hmm. it's gonna go somewhere. Oh, yeah. And if and if you're not gonna and if you're if you're not gonna house that angry energy, it's just gonna transfer somewhere else. And it did. You know what? You know <laughs> what it transferred to? I mean, I I, I yeah. cleaned every computer in the Edge building. Mm-hmm. And then I, I just started cleaning and fixing computers for like three hours. Yeah, and then I came back and I was fucking fine. Yeah. I was fine. Oh, yeah. And I liked the moment of knowing that I was okay. I had mm-hmm. a moment of anger and I just fucking, I just let it fucking fly away. Yeah. And I enjoyed that moment. I mm-hmm. really, really thoroughly did. Yeah. But I, 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 I miss the fact that I didn't get angry. Like I kind of resented a little bit. Uh. And I, I, I'm not sure why. So like I'm, I'm, still, I'm figuring it out. Like do I just like being angry? Like is that a thing that I just enjoy? It's healthy. I mean, being angry is healthy, but I think we have to find the uh, the right the place and time for it. Right. Like if if I have the opportunity to be angry, like and you haven't seen that, you yeah. know, <laughs> it's like I mean because it's been years, you know. But I will. I mean, it's it's I will love it, you yeah. know. But it has to be justified. <laughs> it's like it's not gonna be be angry for no real reason. Like right. If I'm angry, there is a one hundred percent real real reason. And you know, fucking furious. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, uh, like I feel like it's healthy, but you just have to find the time and the place to, to let I, it go. I, I feel like, uh, like uh, Malcolm, like asked me like four times in a row mm. on Tuesday morning if I was all right, because mm. I, I, I'm pretty sure he could tell that like Tuesday morning. Yeah, it was a Tuesday morning. You were there. You were there on Tuesday morning. It was with the with the cart in the room, and then like. Someone was leaving their shift. And was Tuesday afternoon. Me. Okay. Yeah, like, yeah. Tuesday afternoon. Sorry. 12 <laughs> o'clock is my morning. That is like well into the yeah. afternoon. Well, that's not well into the afternoon. That's just <laughs> That afternoon. is the afternoon. That's afternoon. Yeah. 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 Um, so like you were there uh, Tuesday in the afternoon mm. and my boss kept asking me if I was all right. And I was just mm. like, yeah, no, 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 I'm fine. Mm. I, I feel like he could see the, 
the spark of rage that happened mm. at the moment. And uh, I don't know. And it was like, that, that was that mo- introspective moment immediately after I wasn't angry that mm. I really, really wanted to, and I didn't. Mm. And I, I'm just, I'm just, I've just been thinking all week. It's like, I wonder what that, what that is. I wonder what that was. I mean, you just have to know if you, if you don't get angry, then possibly somebody can get cancer later on. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, there's, there's nothing you can do with your own anger. Right. That, that can, you know, but maybe like, like just bottling up, like it, it transforms and transmutates into somebody else's cancer. Exactly. Later down the road. Yeah. yeah. You know, so look forward to that. <laughs> the, uh, this week I went and did a, uh, a promo video for a Nana Soul Food restaurant. Oh, yeah. Nice. Went there on I hear their food Tuesday is delicious. or Wednesday. Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. Tuesday. yeah. Yeah, Tuesday, yeah. So um, the guy was a complete dick. <laughs> complete dick. <laughs> like, I mean, and it's, and it's local. Like, if we have any local listeners here in Charlotte, uh, right off of, uh, is it Tryon or Billy, Billy Graham, I guess? It's, Tavola. A, it's close to Tavola, yeah. Tavola, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right off Tavola, there's a place called Nana Soul Food Restaurant. The, uh, the people there, the owners are not very friendly. Mm-hmm. They're kind of a dick. They seemed, they were acting like we were uh, doing them a favor when well, I mean they, they were doing us a favor right. when we were there for free and doing shooting a promotional video for them for free with like heavy equipment too like you guys yes. usually take like not easy to carry equipment oh no, definitely not we took lots of lights we yeah. took the 4K we took a, I mean we took a number of cameras I mean we took a lot of fucking equipment you yeah. know but um but to finish it off what I will say is the food is fucking amazing. <laughs> The food is amazing. And after all that negative stuff I said, I will go back. Absolutely. <laughs> I will still go back. The macaroni was so good. The candy yams <laughs> was so good. Like, I despise that guy, man. He was such an asshole, man. Like, he was kind of like low-key disrespectful to the the guy that, a guy member of our crew member that mm-hmm. was uh, interviewing him. He was low-key disrespectful to him. And it's, it's unfortunate. Like, I did not not like to deal with that guy. Right. But damn it if that food wasn't good. That's a, that's, Ooh. that's all, like, that's amazing. When like a, yeah. a food is so good that you you're willing to deal with other people's bullshit to deal with it. Yeah, like Chick Fil A. Yeah, I <laughs> hate Chick Fil A, <laughs> yeah. but their food is amazing. Their food is amazing. Like uh, the things that you guys stand for is like what the fuck. But every time I go to Chick Fil A and I buy like a nugget or a sandwich, I go like, well, another gay man just died because of this. But yeah, it's a good chicken sandwich. Speaking of, of those yeah. morals, um, North Carolina, you know, we had the uh, NC the well, HB two law. Yeah. yeah, and um, apparently that's we've we've come we've got made some progress and now we have the 2019 NBA All-Star Game back in Charlotte. Oh, really? Yes, nice. it is official. Official. Um, it was supposed to be here this year and we fucked that up. Right. We fucked that up. So is it going to be back for 2018? 2019. 2019? 2019. Okay. Wait, so where, where is it going to happen in 2018? Uh, 2018 is Los Angeles. Oh, okay. So it just bounces around. It's not like a tour, just a one game that bounces around? Uh, yeah, it's just an all-star weekend. So mm-hmm. like, there's a number of games that weekend and each year it'll be in like a very big city. Oh, okay. Like, cool. like, 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 like the Olympics kind of but okay. every year. Sweet. But yeah, there a lot of money is coming into North Carolina then, and it's I'm just trying to prepare myself for 2019 because Charlotte is gonna be fucking packed. Yep. I mean, I, we we haven't seen anything like this in Charlotte. We've never had a Super Bowl or an Olympics or anything like that. The closest thing we've had is CIAA tournament, and CIAA tournament is um, black black colleges. Uh, have you seen CIAA yeah, tournament? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, yeah, because every time I, they fucking happen, I can't drive. Huge. Yes, it is. It's huge. <laughs> it's packed. It makes it makes Charlotte like un, unmanageable to to drive around. Right. And that's CIAA, a, a black black colleges party. This is the NBA. LeBron James, two hundred and fifty million 
million dollar players that have to stay in Charlotte for at least three days and everything that comes along with it. There's a website called Baller Alert. Mm. I don't know if you've heard of that. And and, and it came from like um, gold digging women Mm -hmm. that'll see somebody like, oh, shoot, I'm I'm over at Ruth Chris and I see LeBron James sitting over at table table one over to my left. And then you go on Baller Alert and then every gold digging woman or whatever can go and find out that LeBron James is at this place. You know, so then they can show up there by the time LeBron finishes his dinner, there's a million people outside like what the fuck it's like reverse tinder yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 so so it's just i was trying to let people know it's like it's not just lebron james showing up it's not just Kyrie irvin and steph curry it's like and literally these an all-star cast of basketball and, players and everything that comes along with each yeah. individual player like this city is gonna be on fire so i guess i'm planning a trip that weekend oh no i'm, I'm gonna be here. i'm getting the fuck out of charlotte oh no i will be promoting the podcast <laughs> i will be on every block passing out flowers for the podcast i mean it's people from all, all around this the is United true States. That, that's a good opportunity oh yeah uh, I, I think i think i can handle if i'm promoting the podcast i think i can handle it yes that's all i'm gearing up yeah. for 2019 fucking charlotte yes solid Whew. but yeah that's that's all that's all i had that's all you have yeah. cool i uh i, I saw Alien covenant incumbent alien covenant Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about a little did, bit last week. Yeah, did not enjoy it. That yeah. movie was garbage. That yeah. movie was fucking trash. You, it was so trash to you. What's yeah. the name of uh, Dan Kava? Uh, he gave it a two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. And, and, like, and wow. we talked about. I had class with him yesterday, and mm-hmm. we talked about it. Yeah. And like, it's, he just he didn't like. I mentioned that the continuity of the movies was all fucked. Like mm-hmm. the higher technology, this and the thematic mm-hmm. unity of the movies was all lost. Yeah. In in Covenant, and he was just like, "No, nah, man, that was just a fun movie." <laughs> and I was just like, "I I guess I can't." Fault him for that logic. I can. <laughs> I can. I mean, it's like, what if I want to say Weekend at Bernie's is a two thumbs up movie? It's great. <laughs> it was fun. That shit was fun. I mean, what? <laughs> like, no. I, I don't fa- know what to tell you, man. I definitely, I definitely faulted. I mean, but um, but hey, but but still, listen to his, to their podcast, Movie Makers Podcast. Are they song, back? They were in hiatus for a while. No, they're. I think they're dead. Still in hiatus. They're, I think they're still dead. But they <laughs> they've paid their Sound Sound Clown account up, so all of the episodes are still there. Okay. It's like eighty some odd episodes. It's really, really, really good material. So it check really them is. out. But what the fuck, Dan? Like that's bullshit. And you know it yeah, is. Yeah, no, uh, Alien Covenant was a garbage movie. Yeah. for I'm, me. Well, like, not, I, I'm not gonna say garbage. I'm seven point one seven in there for me. But it's like an average movie. Movie for I'm me. calling it a garbage movie. It's all the way garbage for you. It was garbage. Like, I gave it an average when I saw it. I was like, mm. it's barely above average. No, mm. that movie's fucking garbage. That's yeah, that's bad. Yeah. Anyway, right. fuck. Yeah. So so Dan Cove and Ridley Scott, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it is so bad. Like Dan is such a great guy. Yeah, he really he's like, is. He's like he 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 goes to church every Sunday. He preaches. <laughs> he's you know, got like, three he, kids, three kids, and a wife, and I think he has two kids actually. But still, it's like he's a great guy. <laughs> and I'm just <laughs> we love you, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for having us as your student. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> All right, we're gonna cut him. Then we'll bring it back to talk about burnout reading. Yeah. <laughs> And welcome back. Burnout, we're we're going to talk about Burn After Reading. I think, it's a, is this our, uh, we've done Coen Brothers before, right? Uh, not a Coen Brothers episode. No, 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 but we've done Coen Brothers movies. A Coen Brothers movie, yeah. We did uh, Barton Fink. Barton Fink. And uh, The Hut Sucker Proxy. And The Hut Sucker Proxy. Yeah. Uh, Coen Brothers, man. They're mm-hmm. fucking they're fucking geniuses in their own right. They really are. Uh, give us a rundown. 
Uh, Burn After Reading is released in 2008. It's rated R, a one-hour and 36-minute runtime listed as a comedy drama. The rundown is a disc containing the memoirs of a CIA agent ends up in the hands of two gym employees who attempt to sell it. Uh, the writers and director are Ethan and Joel Cohen. Uh, stars George Clooney as Harry. Francis McDonald, uh, McDormand as Linda Litsky. Brad Pitt as Chad. <laughs> John Malkovich as Osborne Cox. And Tilda Swinton as Katie Cox. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a great cast for like a great like. Oh yeah. I it, this this movie was weird. For, first of all, this movie was weird for me to watch because mm. I thought I had I hadn't seen it. Yeah. Then I recognized half the movie. Mm. So I maybe I've I have seen it. I don't know what the fuck happened in my brain. I was like I, when you texted me this morning, I was like, all I know is when we first met and you said you hadn't seen it. I kept sending you clips, clips over clips. and over and over. <laughs> so maybe I just ended up watching half the movie through maybe. your clips or whatever because I recognized like fucking yeah. forty minutes of it. Yeah. Never saw it before. Yeah. Uh, so I was confused, but other than that, I think this is a fantastic mm. movie. It doesn't. Say it like it doesn't. It's not high concept. It's not complicated. Mm. It's simple. It's, it's a very simple I, concept. I I have something to add to that. Oh really? Because I, this is one of one of my favorite uh, Coen Brothers movies, mm-hmm. and I as many times as I've seen this, maybe seven times. I don't mm-hmm. know, whatever. But um, since two thousand and eight, I realized watching it for the podcast that. I had never really paid attention to this movie. Yeah. You know, it's like I've I've had it on and then all of a sudden you'll hear John Malkovich, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Let me tell you something here. You know, so so it's then I'll pay attention to the TV. But mm-hmm. it's like all the down moments, like I was not paying attention right. in those down moments previously. So watching this movie now, like, is not as simple as I feel well, like I thought it was. Here's the thing. It's a simple concept movie, but it's mm-hmm. definitely saying something. I feel yes. like the core of the movie is pe- when people try to be something they're not, shit mm-hmm. gets fucked up. That's what uh, I got out of the movie. I, mine is about the uh, the untold, uh, like a, a, a view that we don't get to see of middle age and the uh, the struggle of getting old. Okay. And this this my rationale behind it. And right, I'm curious. I'm actually curious because yeah. I did not get that at all. This is my rationale behind it. Uh, number one, you have the very first scene that we have is uh, Osborne Cox. He's a CIA agent, and he's mm-hmm. talking about you know back in the old days when when we was here, we was used to do this, this, and this, and it's like well, it's not like that anymore, you know. And they let him go. He's fired. You know, so um, an- another scene that we see is um, is George Clooney. He's in, he's in bed with Osborne Cox's wife, mm-hmm. and he's talking about yeah, me and my wife. You know, we got married. When we were twenty years old. We were young. We had the whole world in front of us. You know, we didn't know. You know, uh, we thought this was going to be forever. You know, but then you get older and you feel like you don't want to live a lie and yada yada yada, mm-hmm. and you just you, you change and become different. Uh, you have Linda Litsky and uh, her opening scene. She's uh, She's a middle-aged woman, and she's aging, and she's seeing her body transitioning. Mm-hmm. And the doctor, the first thing he's telling her is, you know, women uh, or uh, people, when, whenever you get to your 40s, your body starts to change. It's not the same as when you were younger. Now you have to do this, this, and this, mm-hmm. and your, your stomach will start to stretch a bit. Your arms will be a little more flat, and she's trying to adjust with getting older and still being able to be in that uh, that lifestyle. Right, which ends up being the driving, the entire driving force behind what she does. Right, yeah. You have uh, you have Brad Pitt, the only character at all in the entire movie that has any semblance of youth to him at all. Mm-hmm. But you can tell even in himself, he's an older character that's trying to be young. You right. know, with the, the hair slicked back and the, the gum chewing and everything, he's he's still an older person. He's not as old as like a uh, 
a George Clooney or John Malkovich, but he's just trying to keep up. Right. And another thing that uh, that George Clooney says earlier on, um, when he's talking about John Malkovich or Osborne Cox being fired, mm-hmm. he's saying, um, and she's like, no, he didn't. He didn't get fired. He quit. And he said, well, uh, let me tell you something about this town. Usually, when somebody says they quit, they got fired. Yeah. You know, and it's it's just the. Um, so I mean, I kind of well, no, I do agree with what you're saying. People trying to stay, uh, or trying to stay relevant, or trying to. Um, well, what I said was like when people try to be something that something they're, not. they're not. Yeah, yeah. People, people trying to be something that they're not. Um, I don't. I don't see that so much from George Clooney wanting to be something that he wasn't, or Osborne Cox so much, or the wives actually either. Besides, uh, besides Linda Litsky. But I, I feel like. Well, here's here's the thing. Like, I it may not be nearly as strong in and and what the fuck's the wife? Katie Cox. Katie Cox. Yeah. Katie Cox. Yeah. Not be as strong in uh, in her or Malkovich, mm. but I feel like since uh, you know Chad and, and Linda Litsky were sort of the main characters of the movie mm. for me, I feel like I saw I saw it so much in them because she's trying to be yeah. you know young and 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 sort of seductive and this thing yeah. that she's clearly not a part of. No. Even if she was young. She wouldn't be the kind of person to be. She's not a Hollywood person. Like I, there's actually a line in the movie that says you're not a Hollywood type person, and I feel like that's what she was trying to be, trying to stay young in a world that doesn't want her anymore. There was a line when she's talking to Ted, the uh, the boss at Hard Bodies, mm-hmm. and he's telling her, he says, "You're a beautiful woman. You don't need." And then she's like, "I've gone about as far as I can with this body, Ted." And Ted is like, "I think it's beautiful. It's not a phony baloney Hollywood body." And Linda says, that's right, Ted. I will be laughed out of Hollywood. I have very limited breasts, a ginormous ass, and I've got this gut that swings back and forth in front of me like a shopping cart with a bent wheel. (laughs) And Ted's like, you know, there are a lot of guys out there that would like you just the way you are. And Linda's like, yeah, losers. (laughs) <laughs> right, but uh, and here's the thing. Let's go. Let's go back off that because after that, there's a conversation that the the second real big conversation that she has with Ted, mm. where she convinces him to go into Cox's apartment, yeah, uh, to like get more information. Mm-hmm. Again, people trying to be something they're not for the sake of getting something. Like yeah, Linda, was, I agree with that. Yeah. Linda trying to be pretty and get this money for the surgery. Mm-hmm. She ends up killing Chad. She ends up killing Ted. Yeah. She ends up. Putting her own self in, in, in massive amounts of danger for mm. no goddamn reason. Yeah. Uh, because she was trying to be this thing that she wasn't, which mm. is like the traditional stereotype of beauty uh, that can, she had in her mind. I can see that as like a, a main uh, plot point storyline. Right. Yeah. And then uh, Chad, uh, trying to be the bad, the badass movie Hollywood spy, mm. gets killed in the process. Oh, yeah. The moment that Ted adopts the same persona that Chad was trying to do, like trying to get the information about the Hollywood spy thing, mm-hmm. he gets fucking ganked. Yeah. Uh, John Malkovich adjusting to the idea that he's no longer retired and mm. like he, he tells himself that he's going to be a writer, but he's not a writer. No. Uh, so again, trying to be something it's not, his whole life starts falling apart. Mm. Tilda Swinton trying to be a housewife. Uh, she's not a housewife. She's one mm. of those cutthroat people, cold, hard bitch kind of personalities and she tries to be a housewife and it just ends up killing every relationship she's got mm. trying to host the parties trying to do the keep appearances for mm. other people so like this the, thematically this whole movie seemed to me about people trying to put up an appearance mm. of something that they're not and then having that crumble their actual lives and relationships and uh and maybe it's just maybe i get that because uh, i'm not old enough to get the the older thematic the thematic of like having to deal the, with getting older and yeah. not being useful anymore yeah 
so maybe maybe there's like a generational lens. The, that's the, the other thing yeah. that I would like that added a little credence to me for me is mm-hmm. uh, the divorce with the two divorces with right. uh, George Clooney, and that was a pivotal part for Clooney because as he's going through each sexual endeavor, I think we've seen him with one uh, counting his his wife, like Li- three, Linda Litsky some random woman that we didn't get to hear from, yeah. you know, just the only thing we got was, um, Hey, I think I should go for a run. Like after all of his uh, sexual encounters, right. you know, so, um, never comes back. <laughs> what was that? Never comes back after a run. Oh no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, the, um, the, the divorces. So, uh, George Clooney is, is having all these different sexual endeavors with all these different women. And his, he's upset with his relationship with his wife mm-hmm. and how it's dying and how she's boring. And, uh, she writes children's books, but, and she's just not very, uh, sexually exciting as far as he's concerned. Right. And the only way, only time we get that information is from, um, uh, from Katie Cox when she's dis- disrespecting his wife, trying to get him to divorce her. But um, even, even with that, so he, he's living all of these different lives trying to fulfill himself. And then he, he's looking over his shoulder because he's no, he's, he knows he's out here fucking up. Yeah. You know, so he's over his shoulder like, who is watching me? Like, what's going on? And it's not till like right around the end of the movie, he finds out that as his uh, mistress is trying to get him to divorce his wife. Mm-hmm. And that's a kind of a cool thing that was played out too, just about how how women are, how prepared women are and how in front of things women are. Mm -hmm. Because you look at the Osborne Cox and Katie Cox relationship early on, like Osborne Cox has no idea that his relationship is in shambles and that it's as fucked up as it really is. The wife does. And she preemptively goes and sees a lawyer and she's like, and the lawyer was like, well, you need to go ahead and get all, does he know that you're thinking about divorce yet? He was like, no. All right, well go inside the computers and get all the information. And that's how all of this started in the first place. I wouldn't be surprised if one of the brothers or someone close to the brothers was going through a divorce at the moment of Possibly. making this film. Possibly. Because <laughs> it definitely it definitely has a super cynical look on marriage and relationships. Yeah. I mean, it's just people grow and change. Yeah. I mean, it's I don't, I don't even know if it's cynical. I mean, it's when it's reality. Well, that's the thing. Like, uh, I don't know. I, you know, it's like it happens more yeah. times than it doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Know? So it's like it's more reality than cynic, cynical, I feel like. So, I mean, it's just, it's just a part of life that happens much, much too often. But um, so, so she, she goes to, uh, to the lawyer and then it's like, well, get all of this information. She copies all the information from uh, his computer, but unknowingly steals the memoirs as right. well. And uh, in that, the, uh, the lawyer's secretary has all of those files and then she visits um, hard bodies yep. and accidentally leaves the disc with all of his information there. But anyway, I'm digressing a little bit. But uh, George Clooney, like I said, by the time you get to the end of the movie, you find out that his wife has done the exact same thing that Osborne Cox's wife has done. Right. She senses that this marriage is just as bad. Like George Clooney knows the marriage is bad. His wife knows that. And she might've known that a lot sooner than George Clooney did. Right. You know, and it's, it's hard, it's hard to recognize that in the way that the movie is shot because you know that he's unhappy because you see him with all these different women mm-hmm. and the, the one or two times that you see him inside of his house, uh, you got to hear his wife's voice, but they're never in the same scene. And they show him, and, and this could be any middle-aged man, and I've unfortunately experienced it a just small amount, just living with someone and being around somebody so much that you kind of isolate yourself and shut yourself down. Mm-hmm. And that he was just inside the basement, away from his wife, and just working on whatever he was going to be working on. At the time, you don't know what he's working on which in the is, basement. <laughs> which know? was probably my favorite reveal of yeah. any movie. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like by himself, isolating himself from his wife and doing his own work mm-hmm. you know but it's not until the end of the movie that it's revealed
revealed, you know, that his wife is divorcing him as well. And he's like, and he has a breakdown. And the guy, <laughs> the guy is like, hey, it happens to everybody. You know, calm down. <laughs> you know, it's... Yeah. Here's uh, here's like I I think I I see I, it, this is not like three women where we mm. fundamentally disagreed on the themes of the movie. Yeah. this is like I, I see where both of me, the me themes too. Come me from. too. I can't dis- yeah. discredit your, your your view at all. Uh, I I I genuinely just think that it's it's, it's sort of like I'm young, mm. so I see I see it as them people trying to be something they're not. You've yeah. experienced a little bit of older, so you see them as trying to deal with old age. Yeah. Um. But the the interesting thing about this movie it's 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 a sad. It's not a happy movie. No, no. It's, but it's yeah. fucking hilarious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, the way that the Coen Brothers is a way of presenting really sad tidbits of information in mm. a really funny fucking way. Yeah. Uh, like, for example, when George Clooney gets divorced, he's mm. like holding the guy by the shirt. Yeah. And she's like, I work for like whatever the company was. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember. Fuck, that. I didn't write it down. Yeah. 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 It was like for Fud, ugh, Inc., whatever. Tuckman and Marsh. Tuck, tuck, yeah, Tuckman <laughs> and Marsh. Yeah. I work for Tuckman and Marsh. My wife hired you? No, your wife hired Tuckman and Marsh. Tuckman and Marsh hired me. <laughs> and they have this whole like diatribe yeah. about the semantics of who hired who yeah. and who he works for. That you kind of forget that they're talking about a divorce until George Clooney walks away mm. and the kid goes, like, it happens to everybody. Yeah, And yeah. so, like, they just have a way of, like, shooting really sad, drastic moments. Like, when the when John Malkovich also has to deal with the fact that he has a drinking problem. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, they don't shoot that for sadness. They mm. shoot that. It's just, like, he's drinking literally in every shot mm. after you hear that he has a drinking problem. Yeah. And so, like, you know, he's an alcoholic. But they yeah. never play. They play it for laughs the entire time. Yeah. Uh, Coen Brothers are magnificent at doing that, and their shots always look crisp. Mm. Their lighting is fantastic. Always. The way that they cut a scene is amazing. Mm-hmm. Their blocking is fucking amazing. Yeah. And the first scene when uh, John Malkovich is walking down the hallway, and you see just a shot of his feet, mm. and then he enters a room, and then you see they cut to the wide of the room. Yeah. There's like a guy close to the camera on the desk. There's a guy on the right of the desk. There's an empty chair for Malkovich mm. and a guy sitting on the couch. Yeah. The fucking just composition of that frame. Is amazing. It's yeah. fucking brilliant. And then yeah. they do the reverse of that. And it's literally the exact same shot, but the, the guy from the couch is closer. Mm. Keep getting away from the... Uh, the, <laughs> the guy from the couch is closer, mm. and it just, it's just a reverse of that composition. Yeah. And it just looks absolutely fucking brilliant. And I can't think of any... Uh, like, I can't think of very many directors other than maybe Edgar Wright and Spielberg that take composition. Edgar Wright. Yeah. I was thinking Edgar Wright as I was watching that movie. Like, you can definitely... You can definitely f- feel that they're sort of like brother directors in, in style. Yeah. And 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 other than Spielberg, also and David Fincher, mm. I can't think of very many directors that take composition to that level of complexity. Yeah, and I fucking love watching the Coen Brothers do that shit. I, 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 speaking on the alcoholism for uh, for Osborne Cox, I, I like how that was the final straw for his wife. Um, uh, to just a little bit of lead up to it, so so we have Osborne Cox. He's been in contact with. Um, with Linda Litsky and Brad Pitt's character Chad, so so they called him. And, on, let's let's backtrack a little bit yeah, further so. because Chad, Brad Pitt's character in he this movie, he is awesome. He is like <laughs> the biggest dits ever. <laughs> so um, all right. So there's one point where they're inside of the. Uh, I believe this is when. Yeah, this is when they they just now got the uh, the disc. Mm-hmm. So so they're inside. They're inside hard, hard bodies. And Linda Liskey, she's like, um, you should put a note in the ladies' locker room. And Chad is like, put up a note what, saying what? Highly classified shit found. Signal intelligent shit. CIA shit. Hello, anybody? Lose their secret CIA shit? I don't think so. <laughs> 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 
So he's, he's like, he is fucking awesome. So so they find they find this uh, this information inside the um, inside the bathroom. Like mm-hmm. we said, how they got got there, and um, so now they're trying to use the Good Samaritan law <laughs> to, right. to their own benefit and have Osborne Cox pay them for the information that they have on him, which they don't. They have no idea what this stuff is. Nah, they yeah. think it's like CIA shit. Yeah, they think it's secret CIA shit. So um, so the first thing they do, they decide to meet up with him and like see if they can get the money from him. So uh, so Chad Chad gets on his bike, goes up to the uh, goes up to Osborne Cox's car, and gets in and tries to negotiate <laughs> tries to negotiate with him. Uh, where, where is it? That he's talking about the uh, his his Schwinn. There we go. Osborne Cox was like, if you ever carried out your proposed threat, you would experience such a shitstorm of <laughs> consequence, my friend. Your empty little head will be spinning faster than the wheels on your Schwinn bicycle back there. And she, Chad is like, you think that's a Schwinn? <laughs> <laughs> now give me the fucking floppy or the disc or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> Not until you give us the money. <laughs> and then he punches them in the nose. And what carries after that is my favorite scene. Like Brad Pitt, like he, he gets hit in the nose. He analyzes, like touches the blood, and he's like, "You fuck! <laughs> give it back, you fucker! You're the fucker! You fucker!" <laughs> I love that scene so much. Like just watching, like watching Brad Pitt on screen in this movie is fucking brilliant. Yes, it is. Yeah, he had another um, another moment where he's like in the in in uh, Cox's house, Mm. and he's like breaking through the house, and then Harry walks in, Mm. and you see all that moment of him going like, oh. What the fuck do I do? God damn it! Yeah, that whole sequence where he hid in the closet like an idiot. Yeah, is so like one of my favorite bits about the movie. Like I've, I've I wish I would have rewound and mm-hmm. thought more into. So the, the house is Osborne Cox's house and Katie's house. Yes, and so so they they go there to uh, they go there to have sex and it's so funny. He brings like the this uh, the sex pillow that's yeah. uh, that's angled so you can like hit it from the back pretty nice. Just broad daylight walking into the house with it. It's just awesome shot. <laughs> But um, so so they're there, they're there. They do their thing, and then I guess she has to go off to work or something like that. And as normal, like they set it up. And then another thing that was set up, what mm-hmm. I wanted to say: number one, the running. Yeah. Like they, from the very first time they show him having sex, it's like, oh, let me see if I can get a run in. That happens every single time. Um, the first time we see George Clooney, he's at a dinner party, mm-hmm. and they're talking about his uh, his gun. Yeah, I've um, I've had this gun twenty years. I've never had to never had discharge to it. Discharge it, not one time before. And he he says that. At least two more times in yeah, the movie. Says it a while. Says it yeah. a couple times. He tells Linda Liskey the same thing before they are about to have sex. Yada yada. So, and then he he gives a speech about yes, it's just supposed to be all instinct. You know, you're not supposed to think about it. Whenever you get into a situation, it's just automatic instinct comes in. So it's just that that foreshadowing and that that setup for mm-hmm. what is going to happen later. But um, but this is my question. All right, so they go to it's Osborne Cox's house and Katie's house and George mm-hmm. Clooney is in their home. Yep, and. So they get in the car and she drives George Clooney five miles away from the house so he can do a five mile jog back, back to, to the, the house. house. Right. He he jogs back to the house and takes a shower. Mm-hmm. Now it's it's a little off. It's weird to me that George Clooney's stuff seems set up in a way that he lives there. Well, that's the thing. Uh, like maybe ten minutes before that scene is when Katie kicked uh, John Markovich's character out of the house. And like change the locks oh, and like all the stuff on the front porch. Yeah. So like Harry moved in with Katie bit, yeah. the weekend that mm. his wife was out of town. Ah, uh, yeah. So like he was there for the weekend. Yeah. And so like that's why stuff seemed like he lived there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that fucked me up too. I had to rewind. It's like, wait, whose house is this? Yeah. Like, yeah. This? Exactly. Yeah. Um. But uh, 
Yeah, no, that was it. Uh, yeah. d- d- Harry was just there at the wrong time. Yeah. And then he fucking shoots Brad Pitt in the fucking head. Yes. <laughs> YouTube that clip if you haven't seen that. That is my favorite on-screen death of all time. I think mine too. Yeah, it, that is such a great like, mm. oh, fuck. And he just <laughs> kills and, him. And what's, what's so so great about that performance from Brad Pitt, like mm-hmm. he plays that, that ditz and tries to be a lovable type of guy. Mm-hmm. And he knows what's about to happen inside inside that closet. Right. He he looks over. He's he's hot. He's hiding in the closet. And he can he can peek out through a small crack, reminiscent of uh, Blue Velvet, uh, yes. David Lynch movie. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we can only see out of the uh, out of a small crack. And as he's sitting there, and, and, and George Clooney is getting out of the shower, and then he's about to open the closet door, and then he's he like, "Oh fuck, right. oh fuck!" And then he looks to the right, and he sees a gun holster. And George Clooney walks away and comes back, and he knows what this is. George Clooney opens the door, and Brad Pitt's face is first. It was just like, oh, shit, like, it's, it's fine, it's fine. And then he gives you the biggest shit-eating grin that he can mm-hmm. just to show, hey, I'm not a threat. I'm fine. It's okay. Right. And bow! Right, right, between, in right in the forehead, between the eyes, splattered blood, dead. George Clooney reacts like someone who has never shot a gun before in his life. Yeah, which is true. <laughs> exactly. They set it up four times in the movie. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's like somebody that's never shot a gun ever. screaming. Fumbles all the way down the stairs, goes downstairs, gets a butcher knife to handle the dead guy <laughs> upstairs in the closet. Comes back, does a barrel roll back into the room. <laughs> grabbing the gun, dropping the knife and grabbing the gun. Yeah. No sense whatsoever no <laughs> yeah then then goes inside of his wallet sees there's like two single one dollar bills no identification they've torn the labels and the laundry marks out of the, the clothes he's like mm-hmm. i killed a fucking spook <laughs> like, the like that's the thing like everything everything like i love the thing about the coen brothers where mm-hmm. they set up a movie yeah. with coincidences and yeah. nothing feels wrong mm-hmm. you know how much fucking skill that takes as a writer oh yeah to make sure that all of your coincidences line up as actual plot yeah that's fucking bananas oh yeah and then but but we forgot to mention like one really key part of the comedy in the movie mm-hmm. and it was the cutaways to the government facility where jk simmons yeah is. oh yeah uh which is just the way that they handle it it's like oh we have a problem oh fuck what's the problem yeah uh she's dead that person's dead oh mm-hmm. fucking great we don't have to deal with it oh <laughs> uh, well the, the the issue is it was in broad daylight and uh <laughs> it was like, oh, what what fuck burn the body you don't want to deal with that <laughs> Just uh, come back when when this shit starts to make sense. <laughs> where, where's uh, is he? Like we have no extradition law in Venezuela, so what should it, put him on the first for, fucking for, flight to Venezuela? You you don't know why he wanted to go to Venezuela. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, no, well, we don't have any extradition in in, in Venezuela. He was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what should I do? Put him in the first flight of Venezuela. For God's like, sake, it's just like. There's some sense of like it's making fun of like the way government agencies yeah, work. It's definitely. making fun of like how movies affect people by mm-hmm. wanting to believe something that they're not and yeah. try to be all flash and heroic, mm-hmm. like people not accepting what they actually are. Mm-hmm. The movie, like, it's just like a really it's it's a comedy that's not saying an immense amount of mm-hmm. stuff, but what it does says it says it very poignantly, and I absolutely love that about this movie. I wanna, and I want to highlight again just mm-hmm. on the um, the deterioration of relationships mm-hmm. too. Uh, especially with George Clooney. So he's, he's seen it happen with his wife and now he's trying to make something work with Osborne Cox's wife. Right. But, but in his mind, he's not trying to get into a new relationship. And when he's when he's in the bed with her and then uh, he's talking about his life and how things aren't working out with his wife so much and then she's like, well, I'm thinking about getting a divorce from Osborne. And then he's like, 
his eyes go wide open. It's like, what the fuck? Like, I don't <laughs> oh, know. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, fuck, Rick. Uh, 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 this is too much too quickly. <laughs> exactly. So, it's like, he's not totally in it. He was like, well, it'll be a lot harder for me because, you know, my wife is great and she's nice and sweet. Mm. And she's you're a you're, cold stone bitch. <laughs> and he was like, and your husband is just shitty. You know, but um, so it's a deterioration of, of his relationship, but he's still not wanting to get into a full-scale marriage. He's wanting to enjoy his life and have fun. Right. Like he said, he's been married since he's 20 years old. So, now he's he's well into his 40s you would Mm -hmm. assume so 20 some odd years with one person and now he's trying to go do whatever he wants to do and like uh like i said earlier with um Tim was talking to Linda Liskey. He was like, what do you know about this guy? He's like, well, he works for the Treasury Department. It was like, well, you don't know. He could be one of those guys that just, uh, like, uh, one of those internet guys that just swinging around on the internet. She's like, well, that, me too. Right. <laughs> you know, they're the same kind of person in, the, in that sense. So he's going from person to person to person just trying to find anything. And now there's, with, with Katie Cox, they're inside the house and they're living together now. My favorite scene, easily. And, and it, so he, he's in the kitchen and he's cutting carrots. carrots. He's cutting carrots on, with rhythm. <laughs> Just completely in his own world. No, but then that's also after killing Brad Pitt and hiding the body. Yep, yep. So he's still like got that shit on his All head. of it's all in his head, yeah. So he's in there, one, two, three, just cutting those carrots. And uh, his wife was like, you seem a little detached, distracted. He was like, hmm, yeah, oh yeah? was like, yeah, the past couple of days, you've been seeming a bit distracted. It's like, hmm, work. You know? <laughs> and then as he continues to cut the carrots, and not even exaggerating, how, how many carrots do you think are cut up that on was, that board? That was at least 20 carrots. Like 20 cut up carrots, yeah. like full of too carrots. Many carrots. <laughs> so many carrots. The so, right amount of carrots, the right answer to that question is way too many carrots. Yeah, way too many. <laughs> so um, so she's like, Katie's like, do you think that's enough carrots? And then the, it's like the, the cutting stops. And it's like, it's important to know that it's like a metronome. The yeah. way that he's cutting these carrots is doop, 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 doop. <laughs> you know, in his own rhythm. He's like, do you think that's enough carrots? Doop, stops. And, he's, and then you watch, watch his hand with a knife and it starts shaking. And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then Katie, just still oblivious to anything that's going on in his head. She's not even like, looking at him. No, not at all. She's in her business at the table. She's like, for, for the salad. <laughs> and then Harry takes another beat and he's like... You really are a negative person. <laughs> she looks at him like, what? <laughs> yeah. like, where the fuck Suck did that come foolishness. from? <laughs> like, where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> He's in there cutting the carrots. Uh, you think that's enough carrots for the salad? You really are a negative person. <laughs> you know? But I think I, I'm going to say that my favorite moment in the movie, you mentioned the steaks pillow. Mm-hmm. My favorite moment in the movie is right after that where mm-hmm. he storms out of the house. Yeah. And we're just seeing a close-up on Tilda Swinton. As he like leaves the frame, mm. climbs the stairs, and you hear tuk 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 up the stairs. Yeah. You hear him rattling upstairs for something, mm. grab something out of a shelf or something, and then go tuk 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 and then the camera pans and it's him leaving with the fucking yes. sex pillow. <laughs> That's why I kept thinking like oh it reminded me of Edgar Wright. Yeah. Because you're using your camera to create comedy instead of dialogue. <laughs> I mean I I, I loved it. I and loved like, it. It, it, yeah, man, that's that's really it. Like yeah. even the camera work in this movie was funny. Like they yeah. use it for comedy. Yeah. But I, I I know I've talked about this a lot. I've talked about it in Barton Fink. I mm. talked about it in Hutsucker Proxy. Mm. Uh, Big but Lebowski. the co- hmm? Big Lebowski. I forgot we did in that the too. Big Lebowski. Yeah. yeah, and and the Coen Brothers shoot singles amazingly well. Oh yeah, like all the dialogue scenes really happen with singles and mm. maybe like in dirty singles. Mm. What, I, what I'm gonna call dirty. Yeah. 
Uh, and you get the entire effects, like you, uh, the background of a character. When a background, when a character talks, the mm. background of them usually reflects some sort of mental state. Mm. So, like the secretary, who's a throwaway character in the entire movie, she yeah. shows up for like maybe two minutes. Yeah. Her background is what an open window, mm. uh, like a window, and her boss's office yeah. and a cluttered desk. Yes. Uh, John Malkovich's character, when he's in the kitchen, his background's a shelf of liquor. Mm. And and every time that he's in that kitchen, solving himself liquor, yeah. you see the shelf of of like really expensive alcohol. Yeah. When he's on the ship, you see, uh, like you start seeing like the little bit of loss that's in, in him because you see like a window to see, mm-hmm. and like the background is very reflective of what the characters are feeling at the time. Yeah. Uh, when when Linda Linda's always walking, you see the gym, people trying to improve their self image. Yeah. All of that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. It's just like really small touches that I love that the Coen brothers put in their fucking films. Yeah. And that I, I wish that people would do a lot more did, in cinema. Did you notice there wasn't a single young person in the movie? Uh I think yeah, the youngest was Brad Pitt. Yeah. Yeah. It's like like even not even an extra. I'm yeah. saying nowhere. Nowhere. Like even in the gym. Yeah, you're right. I was say even in the gym is um they show Brad Pitt is working someone out and the guy's like, I think you just broke something in my butt. And that's even an older person. Something snapped in my ass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's what was just like leading credence to the um, the the generational thing, the older people trying to keep it together, trying to keep their bodies together, right. trying to deal with these this transition from being in your twenties, thirties, and forties to now you're changing. This is yeah. a Big 50, drastic 60, change. Yeah. There was a um, another another scene that I really really liked was when uh, Ted finally goes into Osborne Cox's house. He's in the basement downstairs, and um, Osborne Cox walks down and he sees him. He's like, "And you're my wife's lover." And then <laughs> Ted is like, "No." I said, "Then what are you doing here?" He was like, "You know what? I know you. You're the guy from the gym." And Ted is, says, "I'm not here representing hard bodies." <laughs> <laughs> it's like a guy confronting you with a gun. And I'm, not, I'm not here representing. No, I'm not here representing hard bodies. He was like, oh, was like, oh yes, I know very well what you represent. You represent the idiocy of today. No, I, I don't represent that either. <laughs> there really is a like a beautiful moronity going through all the characters in, in this movie including like like linda like mm. i think she was the one that we were supposed to kind of yeah she won feel more sympathetic she, she, for, but she, she won, won. At the end. yeah at the very end it was like uh there's also a uh linda litsky uh she said that there was a number of procedures that she wanted well h- how much uh well they will pay it pay it, Fuck it. <laughs> shit. yeah uh which by the way one of my favorite endings to a movie mm. of all time i mm. think it's jk simmons yes so what have we learned not a fucking clue. Uh, so you have the quote? You have the quote? Where is it? What did we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't fucking know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Yes, sir. I'm fucked if I know what we did. <laughs> yeah, sir. It's, uh, it's hard to say. Jesus fucking Christ. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed so fucking hard at the ending of that movie. Mm. Because it, cause it, all, it, it all just brought it back together. Because it was a clusterfuck. A bunch of shit happened. Yep. You were like at some point in the movie, they very. The, I feel like the Coen brothers very purposely uh, confused you with mm. who was living where, who was marrying who, who yeah. was fucking who. Yeah. So I feel like that was a very purposeful choice, not a lack of structure. Same. Um, but they do it out to the extent of like, so when you they, he delivered that last line, mm-hmm. it's like, well, fuck. I guess we did learn nothing. What the fuck from, is this? From all of this, yeah. I, I thought that was like a, a conclusion of the entire movie. Right. Yeah. yeah of, of everything. Like, what the <laughs> fuck do we learn? Like, I guess I don't fuck if I know. Just don't do it again. <laughs> just don't do it again. I guess I don't know. Which uh, which is just so so poignant, and I, mm-hmm. I, I think 
And like, I, I may be getting a little bit, uh, I don't want to say academic, but I might be getting, I mean, thinking a little too much into it. Right. But it, 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 it infiltrates the movie with a sense of cynicism mm. of like, just shit happens. Yeah. And sometimes we don't know why. Yeah. And just live with it. Just yeah. live with that. And mm. I think that's the perfect choice to wrap around this movie. Mm. Like, you get older, you don't know why you get older, mm. you die, you fucking deal with it. Yeah. That's it. And like, George Clooney, your marriage is dead. Mm. You don't know why. Fucking deal with it. And like all that kind of stuff, I feel like it injects a, like a dose of cynicism into the entire movie that makes it that much more powerful as a movie. Mm. I think. Yeah. Uh, so like, I really, I really love the way they ended that, and I really love that J.K. Simmons didn't move out of his seat for any other shot. Yeah. He was just in that seat. Oh, what, what do you mean? Uh, he that was the only shot he was in. Like. Oh, J.K. Simmons. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah J.K. Yeah. Simmons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the only shot that he was in. The, he showed up yep. in the movie, said yep. those lines, and left. And that was it. Yep. Uh, like it's an, it, and that's unusual for me to see in movies because mm. when it says uh, maybe J.K. Simmons wasn't as massive as he was mm. right now, uh, with like Whiplash coming out and all that shit. Because that always been a pretty big star in my eye. Mm. But like having someone like Brad Pitt and J.K. Simmons in your cast, yeah, and just have him play like such a tiny role. Like Brad Pitt was in the movie halfway through, like to halfway through the movie, and then J.K. Simmons was there for like maybe five minutes. Yeah, I mean, he, he does that, though. He, yeah. he does, like, little cameos, things like that. Uh, I'm, not, like, I'm not used to characters doing that. So I was really, I don't know, I was really happy to see, like, really big stars being able to take small roles yeah. for the sake of the movie. I love when that happens. For yeah. their ego. Yeah. Which is just an extra, extra thought. I just like it a lot. Yeah. Uh, what would you, uh, do you have anything else to say about the movie? Uh... No, watch watch it. It's good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's a good. It's fucking Coen Brothers. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be a classic. Mm-hmm. One of those just beautifully well done, put together movies, mm-hmm. and it's fantastic. And the yeah. edit, the editing is amazing. I love the editing mm-hmm. in this movie. Uh, what would you What would you give it? Um, it's it's this is a comedy. It's mm-hmm. listed first as a comedy, a dark comedy, if nothing else. And it's, it's tough to to rank comedies, mm-hmm. but. This one, not so much. Yeah, this just, one's really easy to rank for j- Just because they, they're doing all the things. Like, in comparison to, like, a, mo- a comedy that I really enjoyed called We're the Millers, mm-hmm. th- it was funny, but you're not doing the technical things to allow me to give you, like, a seven or an eight. Right. You know? Now, the Corn Brothers, this is funny, and all the technical, you're always going to have it, and it's always going to be A1. Yep. So, uh, just because there wasn't any kind of there was nothing really meaningful there or mm-hmm. purpose or a moral really for me. Mm-hmm. I, I take it down to like a 7.98, okay. you know, right around there. That's, 7. A, that's, a, that's around the exact thing, that I, the exact same score. Mm-hmm. I would give it I would give it a solid 8. eight yeah. Uh, and, and I think a lot of it comes from the technicality mm-hmm. of the movie. Like yeah. Coen Brothers movies just look beautiful. Yeah. No matter what you do, whether oh, yeah. it's like... I mean, even even their older shit, like the Big Lebowski and Barnum Fink, yeah. I mean, it, it, it all just looks gorgeous. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and that, I got an eight. Ooh. Do you know that the Corn Brothers are remaking Scarface 2018? Wait, they're, they're the ones directing they, Scarface? No, 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 they're not. No, ah. they're not. Now, now this, this is the thing. They're writing. They, they finished writing Scarface. Okay. They're a complete rewrite, and it's completely different from the other Scarface. Well, not completely, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah but the Corn Brothers, full 100% responsibility over the script. Oh, Okay. Now the director is David Ayers uh, from Suicide Squad. Uh, now, 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 hold on. Now, I, I said for a minute, but all right. 
It, so it kind of it kind of helps. So mm-hmm. so the Corn Brothers with them you going towards a film, remaking a film. That's not something they've ever done before. As, Which I'm interested to see what their take on Scarface's story yeah, is. Yeah, especially some something as big as Scarface. Right. So like this is an opportunity for them to like get a smudge on their reputation. Yeah. You know, taking something that is like embedded in the hearts of a culture. lot of people. It's, it's and a cultural icon. Yeah, yeah. And then saying that you're gonna you have the the balls to put a new spin on something like that. Mm-hmm. But they kind of have a uh, a bailout and giving it to David Ayers. So now if this movie doesn't do what it should have did done, like, hey, I didn't direct that movie. The same person that, that fucked up Suicide Squad did this. So it's like, that's just another mark on David Ayers and that's not like, on the Corn Brothers. That's like if you get in a fight with an old lady, mm-hmm. if you win, she was she came at me. It was yep. an old lady that came at me. Yep. If you lose, I don't want to beat up an old lady. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what that is. But uh, I still, I have hope for the, the movie though. And the reason, reason being is, that the Corn Brothers are excellent writers, yes. and I don't think that. Besides the, um, I, I think they can write a better script than Scarface. Like honestly, I think well, they here's can write the, a yeah, Scarface wasn't a better. Scarface I mean, wasn't a good script. It was. It was okay. Like yeah. Oliver Stone is like he's well known mm-hmm. and revealed. Revealed. Revered. There we go. He's he's well known and revered. I mean, he's he's he does really good work. But the Corn Brothers, I think they can add something to this story to make it better. If not show you a different angle right but but what i what i am that why i'm thinking this is going to be all right is because no one they're they're writing like i just said and david ayers if nothing else he can get butts in seats yep and and that's and that's what suicide squad proved like even though i didn't agree with the storyline and how this thing was was shot it was so fucking flashy that people didn't have a choice but to come see what all the hubbub was about and if he can produce that same kind of hoopla around scarface like that's all you got to do. If you can, if you tell the Corn Brothers that you can get people in the seats, Corn Brothers should be able to handle the rest. Yeah, you know. But here's here's also what I'm concerned about the Scarface having David Ayer, who's such a stylized director, yeah. coming. I don't know. I don't know if he's done anything. I, don't, I haven't seen anything else that he's done. Not directing. Yeah. Um, he wrote Training Day, but directing, like I don't. Mm. So I don't. I don't know if he's as stylized as he was in Suicide Squad for the rest of his movies. Yeah. But assuming that he's a very stylized director, yeah. who's on the same vein as Zack Snyder for stylization, that you can very clearly tell as David Ayer, mm-hmm. uh, I have one concern for the Scarface script. And mm-hmm. it's going like, even though uh, the Coen brothers wrote it, yeah. uh, Oliver Stone wrote the original Scarface, but Brian De Palma directed, directed. it, mm-hmm. who's also a very stylized director in mm-hmm. his own way. Mm-hmm. So even if the Coen brothers write the script and David Ayer takes over the directing mm. that stylization has to be handled very carefully oh yeah uh because scarface is definitely a movie about excess mm. and about greed and excess of power yeah so like very much in the way that there was a wolf of wall street movie in the 90s mm. that dealt very much with uh the power of that society mm. and then the new movie dealt with the excess of that and the exhaustiveness yeah. of it yeah i'm curious to see whether they'll have the same effect Whereas, like, um, Brian De Palma's version of Scarface was very much about power mm-hmm. and about, you know, becoming a better man through whatever means. Mm. I wonder if the new Scarface that the comrades are going to write is going to be more about the interpersonal relationships and what you sacrifice as a person to get that kind of power mm. rather than the power itself. So I think it's going to be an interesting take on the movie, whatever. I just hope that David Ayer can handle the solicitation needed to pull the Coen Brothers script off. Ooh, that was yeah. sexy what you just did right there. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Fuck yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, I give I give um, this fucking movie, the, the, the Burn After Brad Reading. Mm-hmm. I give Burn After Reading a solid eight. It's a beautiful movie. Mm-hmm. It's funny. It does whatever it needs to do right and the Coen Brothers fucking did it so it's going to be good. Mm-hmm.
Uh, watch it if you've never seen it. I thoroughly recommend it. And then we are going to cut, and I'm going to go pee, and then we'll be right back with the television and closing primers. Yeah. I'm going to get that Szechuan sauce, Morty. 57 years. I don't give a fuck. Oh, yeah. Love Rick and Morty. Yes. Um, you guys are welcome for that shitty Rick impression at the beginning. Uh, television and closing. Television and movies. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, television uh, and movies. Uh, this week in television and movies, uh, starting on Tuesday, May the 30th. Uh, we got a busy day today. Uh, day is released. Uh, the first thing is F is for family. May 30th comes out. I was listening to Bill Burr on Mark Maron. Yeah. Tuesday, May 30th. Yep. <laughs> well, you knew you understand what you're saying is you knew that information without me saying it. Right. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, All right. That's, that was, that's how I, right. I wanted to get the... Go on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Bill Burr, uh, F is for Family. It's on. Uh, it's an animation comedy. It's on Netflix. I had one full season and it's getting. It's pretty critically acclaimed. People are saying that it's yeah, great. Yeah, people love it. Yeah, I haven't tried I, it. I couldn't get into it too much. Yeah. I, I think I'm done with the... Like Bojack Horseman is another one of those shows that people really, really love. Yeah. But I think I've, I've been spoiled by the absurdity that Rick and Morty handles. Same, yeah. So I, I don't, I can't handle those shows that are like they're great shows. Yeah. But I can't handle the the grander reality that they're in because mm-hmm. I feel like Rick and Morty explores the same things those shows explore, but yeah. put it in a more absurd light. Yes, couldn't say it better. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Uh, but that's uh, F is for Family. It's an animation comedy on Netflix Tuesday, May the thirtieth. Uh, the next show is a game show. It's Fear Factor. Did no, Fear Factor is still fucking alive. Oh no, it's not. It's it's um it's it's re- revitalized. It, oh, okay. It's back rejuvenated. Is what what this thing is. I, I watch Fear Factor a lot. That's how I found out about Joe Rogan. That's when I first started. Oh, following him. I was uh I, I love Joe Rogan from a show called News Radio from like early nineties. Mm. But the, and I wanted to follow him on Fear Factor, but I couldn't watch the show. Man, it's like as as much as much as I like I like the awkward stuff, mm-hmm. and I, and I'm always like if something makes you uncomfortable, then you damn well should be doing that. That's what you should be doing. I don't want to put spiders in my arm. No, no, I mean, <laughs> no. But I mean, well, that's that's not like uh, beneficial. Right. You know, it's like I mean, if if it makes you uncomfortable and doing it will benefit you in the future, then you got to do it to become a stronger and better person. Right. But like the things on Fear factor you're not a better or stronger or more resilient <laughs> person for i mean maybe in some kind of way like conquering your fear of a spider and standing in a pit of spiders but i've can conquer fear in other ways yeah. you know or i don't have to eat like um a shit turd sandwich or whatever you know i don't, I don't know it was just the i couldn't watch it man it just seemed kind of disgusting like the it stuff was. that was happening it's one of, it's one of those shows that i feel like it was a product of the time it was in that's mm. like when reality tv and game shows were super big yeah i don't think it's gonna do well now i uh, will ludicrous is the uh, the new host of the nbc game show uh that ran from 2001 through 2006 and pl- previously revived in 2011 uh, ah. it's gonna be on mtv at 10 p.m fucking ludicrous. luda <laughs> he still has one of my favorite rap lyrics of all time. Uh, no, you you've told yeah, me. I've told you this. I said, it and before. I'm still gonna not remember. I'm Sleep sorry. with one eye open, Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such such a bad line. Still yeah. my favorite. My mine is my favorite song from him is a song called Ho. <laughs> he uh, it. it came out in like 2001 or so. And the back, it's like I, I had I had twelves in my car, I had two twelves and two tens, uh, subwoofers in the trunk mm-hmm. of a of a nineteen ninety two Mazda six two six. Twelve and tens inch. Uh, tw- twelve inch, inch oh. uh, yeah, subwoofers. So it's like one twelve inch subwoofer in your trunk when you're going down the street. You're going to. <laughs> I had four. 
<laughs> you know, you are you are the person I hated. Oh yeah, back in the 2000s. I'm, I'm telling you, like <laughs> we could not have been. I was I was an arrogant, like selfish piece of shit. <laughs> like like uh, like back then. So it's like I had four big speakers in the back and this super expensive uh, CD player that had a detachable face and that displayed all the things digitally back in 2000. So like I was ahead of the game. Like I was right. I was the shit. And I, I would put I would put ludicrous our CD in this song called Ho Ho Ho. Use a hoe. Oh, I know that ho. song. Yeah. That song, yeah. We'll play that. So, like, whenever I was like about to go be a hoe, like that would be my theme song <laughs> to go home. Walk into the room. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a theme song. That's beautiful. But, uh, but good job, Ludacris. Uh, you you have a show, Fear Factor. So check that out, maybe. Yeah. Um, the next thing on Tuesday, May the thirtieth, House of Cards is coming back. A drama on Netflix. I dropped it after the second season. Oh, is it so good? I, I I watched all of season two. I tried to watch season three and didn't. So okay, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Maybe it's still good. If you if you like Frank Underwood, go for the, it. You know there was um there was something real quick that I have a mm-hmm. problem with in television. Um, there was a show called The Leftovers that I was trying to promote super hardcore when right. we first started the podcast. And thank thanks to you guys, it's fucking canceled, assholes. I'll fucking kill you. But You're yeah, welcome. Yeah. Well, well, I guess you are part of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the show the show is canceled. But it's it's an amazing show. And uh, season three, uh, the last season, just got released. Mm-hmm. And I, I watched six episodes back to back to back to back to back. And I have a problem with with this in television. All right, so say you're you're in season two. And then at the, the very last episode of season two, you have a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. And then the very first episode of season three, you tie up all the loose ends from season two, and then you begin your storyline for season three. Right. I fucking hate that. So do I. It's, it's like, like I, don't, I don't, don't bring a character that's sole purpose is to die in the first opening 15 to 20 minutes into season three. They have no purpose in season three. Everything they did was for season two. I mean, it's just that the leftovers did that. They, they brought back, um, what's, what's the guy? She's, she's very attractive. She was in the movie. Um, um, shit. Mick Jagger's daughter. I think, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I, 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 she was in, she was in Apollo 13. Um, uh, fuck if I know. She she was in that thing you do. Some somebody's yelling at the radio. Gonna <laughs> <laughs> get a call from someone. You fucking idiot. Yeah, but um, um, yeah, I don't know who she is. But yeah, she um, whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she they 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 had her in season two and they brought her back in season three just to kill her in the first five minutes. Gross. You know, p- pivotal character in season two, and then just to kill her off of season three. That's, I'm just like whatever. I hate that format in television because it, it lends itself to that. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, I I like television show, like Breaking Bad. Mm. I, f- I feel has the best way to handle that out of any show. Mm. I don't necessarily love Breaking Bad. It's mm. a great show. I don't necessarily love it, mm. but it handled the season format so well because mm. Vince Vince Vaughn knew exactly what story he was going to tell mm. for season one, season two, season three, season four, and five. Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. Yeah. Vince, Vince Vaughn. Ga- no, Vince. Uh, oh, was it? <laughs> Vince Gillian. Yeah. Vince Gillian. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, yeah, the Vince Gillian knew exactly what story he was going to tell. Yeah. So all of the seasons, you can watch season one and not watch any other season. Sure can. And season one feels like a solid item. Season one in itself. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that as well. But Game of Thrones does something that I really like, and it's it's um, something that other shows aren't doing, but I 
gather that they will in the future, mm-hmm. is uh, say if, they're, they're, if there's 10 episodes in a season, then season nine is effectively the season uh, season finale. I right. mean, episode nine is effectively the season finale. So you're going to get all the deaths and gore and explosions. And, and episode everything. 10 is kind of the aftermath. It's the aftermath and then the setting you up for the beginning of next season, just okay. working you into the next season. So by the time you get to next season, you already know where we're going. You know, right. it's not, let's finish up all the stuff from last season and then like, no, like Game of Thrones does it pretty well. So, uh, but yeah, that that's, was our, our tangential critique of the television format. You're yeah, welcome. Don't like it at all. So that's uh, <laughs> that's House of Cards. This is back uh, on Netflix Tuesday, May 30th. So check that out. Uh, next, Sarah Silverman, A Speck of Dust. I will be watching that. It's, I love Sarah Silverman. Me too. She is generally one of the funniest people that I that I know in comedy. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah, she is. <laughs> she, she, she is. Um, but yeah, Sarah Silverman, A Speck of Dust. She has a comedy special. It's going to be on Netflix. I hope we don't oversaturate the market with comedy specials. We're starting to get that a lot. I, I feel like we're getting one. I feel like we're getting four every month. Like it's, one, it's a once a week for a month. It's just been a lot. Uh, yeah, but but it's also the dry season mm. of like actual content. Because mm. movies don't start really coming out until summer. I mean, yeah, movies. But I mean, yeah. just like before, is in that dry season, it will be filled with... A content, but it wasn't necessarily stand-up specials. Stand-up specials. Yeah. Well, maybe it's also because we're seeing it in streaming and not, oh, yeah, yeah. And not cable television. Because when HBO used to rule the market, mm. they air specials all of the goddamn they, they, time. Yes. HBO was to... That's why Netflix is trying to take that over right now. But right. it's just... They're dominating with it, and oh, I feel I feel it's a bit oversaturated. Mm-hmm. You're trying to step into the the stand-up comedy special, but within it, I'm being bombarded with... like. I'm a person, I love comedy and stand-up comedy, and to, I would generally watch, if you put out one stand-up comedy special on Netflix every two months, I would probably watch every mm-hmm. single one ever, and right. that, that was like with purpose, but now it's when you're putting out so many, I don't have the time to watch all of these, like they just get buried, and right. I don't care as much, like Tracy Morgan, like, this is his first stand-up special in years. Yeah, I still haven't seen it. In years. I, I, I started watching it, but it's just like I didn't watch it with the effort and the care that I would have, you know, if I'm like, well, this is what I got. Mm-hmm. I got, I got to, this is what I have. It's like, no, I can watch Sarah Silverman next week. I can watch Chris Rock in a couple of weeks. Right. I got two Dave Chappelle specials that just came out last month that I'm still haven't digested yet. I agree that the, the uh, I agree that there's an oversaturation because of the streaming format. Mm-hmm. Like, like if it was HBO, we would be... It would be like if it was in cable television, it would make sense mm. because that's a scheduled time and you can only watch at that particular time mm. and your cable television, yeah. whatever. But when it's in, it's in a streaming format, I think you're right. I think it is oversaturation and it needs to be looked at yeah. a little bit. Like just face that shit out, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But that's um, that's Sarah Silverman. A speck of dust is a special on Tuesday, May mm-hmm. the 30th. Uh, the next thing we're going to speed this up is Wednesday, May the 31st, The Carmichael Show. This guy's on my list of of people that I absolutely adore and uh, look up to is in the uh, the entertainment industry. What does uh, he do? Uh, he's a, he's a stand up comedian and a writer. Okay. Yes, he's um. Yo, this is where you know him from from uh, Neighbors. He um when they're doing the um the Robert De Niro, you're talking to me, right. and everybody's doing a character, and then there's a black guy that walks up and he's pretending to be Samuel L. Jackson and doing a quote from Pulp Fiction. So <laughs> different. That's that's that's, your, that's Jerry Carmichael. <laughs> Yeah, he um he his comedy is is like a dry funny. It makes you analyze yourself and it's just most of the jokes end up with like, oh damn, I'm so shitty, or damn the world is shitty, or you know, we're just like fuck. It's like that kind of stuff. <laughs> I, I, I think you would enjoy his comedy too. Nice. But um he has a show called The Carmichael Show and 
it's it's a it's similar a bit to the Cosby Show. If anybody has ever seen that show for you, yeah. it's not it's not the I saw the Cosby the, show. the black um the the husband and the wife, but it's just a black family sitcom, and it deals with a new issue each week. Okay, and and it's heavy issues. It deals with. Um, but I grew up watching Bill Cosby, but he's raped many, many women. Can I still watch his television show? Right. Okay. Or um, a black household who are was primarily Democrats and then living with one person that supports Trump. Mm-hmm. And just because that, you can't just turn your back on someone because of something that they believe. You know, it's right. just some very nuanced ideas, you know, within it. But each episode cool. is very good. The Carmichael Show uh, is going to be on Wednesday, May 31st on NBC at 9 p.m. Please check this guy out. He's really nice. Uh, next thing is Sunday, June the 4th. I'm dying up here. Did you see the... Um, did you see that the preview for that at uh, what Alien Covenant? No, oh, well, I, I missed it. I don't think they showed it. I watched no. it in North Lake. I remember I watched the preview for Atomic Blonde. That shit looked great. I can't wait for Atomic I, Blonde. I am really excited for Atomic Bomb. Charlie Theron, man. Yeah, I didn't realize it was Charlie Theron until yeah. the, the the credit came up. Do you know the uh, the director is a guy that's friends, like one of the best friends of the director from uh, John Wick Two. Nice. That would make sense. They were they grew up together as stunt yeah. guys. They were both stunt men together. And as you know from <laughs> now, the, they're both making movies. Yeah. I, I and th- that makes sense. I got a I got a hint of that. Listen, we're at twelve minutes. Yeah. Finish the finish rundown. The, yes, then yes. we'll go back to Charlize. Yeah. Uh, that's <laughs> uh, that's that's a Carl Michael show. That's good. Uh, I'm dying up here. We've seen a uh, preview for it, the Alien Covenant movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, it's a show produced by Jim Carrey. Uh, Showtime's fastest original drama series focused on the stand up comedy scene in Los Angeles during the 1970s. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it'll be on Sunday, June 4th. It's Showtime at 10 p.m. I'll give that a shout out because it's it's fucking comedy, you know, good stuff. Um, and last but not least, on Monday, June the fifth, for television, if you're not in orbit, eat breakfast. It's a documentary uh, on HBO at eight p.m. A comedy documentary follows ninety-five year old Carl Reiner tracking down fellow. Now, this is the first time I've ever seen either one of these words, so I had to look it up on for definition. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know if I could pronounce it right. Non-agenarians, but it, it, it means someone between the age of ninety and ninety-nine. Uh, nonagenarians. Nonagenarians, yeah. So okay. between nine, 90 and 99, and also deals with uh, centenarians, people that are 100 years old or older. Fuck me, that's old. So, yeah, so, he, so, so these are the people that he, he has. Uh, Betty White, Mel Brooks, Kirk Douglas, Dick Van Dyke, and Norman Lear. Okay. I cannot fucking wait. <laughs> I, I mean, I love Carl, Carl Reiner. He was the creator of the Dick mm-hmm. Van Dyke show. He was the creator of the uh, Sid Caesar show. Um he had, he helped with the with the spinoff of Mel Tyler Moore. Uh, everybody knows Mel Brooks, um, Spaceballs, mm-hmm. um, yada yada, etc. Betty White, we know Betty White. Yeah, we you know, know Betty so White. I can't wait for this show. Anyway, that's but that's all for television movies. Uh, first thing we have is Captain Underpants, the first epic movie. Uh, it's rated PG. It's an animation. The rundown is two overly imaginative pranksters named George and Harold hypnotize their principal into thinking he's a ridiculously enthusiastic, incredibly dim-witted superhero named Captain Underpants. Uh, director is David Soren, stars Jordan Peele, Kevin Hart, Sugar Lynn Beard, and Kristen Shaw. Did not expect to see Jordan Peele and Kevin Hart on that roster. Oh, yeah. That's going to be nice. <laughs> The, yeah, uh, I was, I was, I wasn't gonna give it a go, but I, I, I reckon Jordan and and Kevin would give it something. Yeah, yeah, I think so. The, uh, the next thing, and this is our last yeah. movie, is uh, Wonder Woman. Fuck it's yeah. rated PG thirteen, one hundred and forty one minute runtime, listed as an action adventure fantasy science fiction movie. The rundown is: before she was a Wonder Woman, she was Diana, princess of the Amazons, trained warrior. When a pilot crashes and tells of conflict in the outside world, she leaves home to fight a war to end all worlds, discovering her full power and true destiny. 
Uh, Dorita is Patty Jenkins. Uh, stars Gil Gadget, David Twillis, and Robin Wright. Chris what, Pine as well. What did you say? Uh, Gil Gabbitt? Got it? No, it's Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot? Like, yeah. Gal that's the first yeah. time I've ever seen that name before in my life. So, <laughs> <laughs> She's great. That movie's going to be fantastic. Nice. I'm so excited. For, I don't know if it's going to be fantastic. I'm just excited for Wonder Woman. I am too. Because it's the first, like, besides Catwoman, the first, like, fully featured female superhero uh, that I'm super excited about. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, we have Black Widow, but she doesn't have a feature movie of her own. I was, I was thinking of uh, Aeon Flux. Aeon Flux. I don't think I've seen Aeon. Oh, that wasn't good. I mean, I'm just saying yeah. it's a full female superhero, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I, that wasn't good. <laughs> I, thought, uh, I thought that she was more of a secret agent than a superhero. I agree with that. Yeah. She yeah. had some superpowers, though. She didn't have, like, regular human powers. So. No, but she wasn't, like, she, it wasn't, like, a comic book Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, she wasn't a mutant or, like, right. yeah, it wasn't, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I'm excited as shit for Wonder Woman. Me too. Looking forward to it. Same. Uh, dude, I think that's it, right? Yeah. Uh, do we want to talk about Charlize Theron some more before we clock out, or we want to clock out and then talk about Charlize? I mean, <laughs> now I just made it awkward. The yeah, the movie, thing. the movie doesn't come out till like July or August, so ah, we'll, we'll have time. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, all right. I guess that's it. You can find us on Twitter at underscore FFS Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, and Stitcher under the name for Film's Sake. And you can find us on Facebook at the FFS Podcast. Uh, talk to us, tweet at us, listen to us, do whatever you got to do. Uh, but keep in touch with us, and we will be back next week with another episode. So yeah. thank you guys for watching. Cheers. Cheers.